Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be a part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. It is that time again, doing this monthly now because it was so much fun last time. Mayor Dang. President Josh Guillory in the studio with us. Uh, Josh, thanks for coming in. Joe, I, I enjoyed our segment so much. I'm glad we glad we could do it again. So, first of all, I, I have to ask, because there's been so much attention going on uh, in Washington, D.C., particularly with Congress. Now, you had a bid for congressman at one point, so l- let me ask the hypothetical. What would Congressman Josh Guillory be most excited about right now? Well, the non-Congressman Josh Guillory is so happy that Congressman Clay Higgins is the congressman. So <laughs> I don't know if that answers it. I'm happy where I'm at. Uh, no, look, Clay's doing a great job, and, and he we have a great relationship. And I'm glad that's his fight right now, and, and we, we'll take the fight in the local level. All right, so I I want to I want to ask because did you with, ask me about term limits? Oh, or did, yeah, I, no. just, did I just proactively say <laughs> yeah, it? just okay, term limits? Yeah, um, I've out. always so let me let me ask your thoughts on term limits because those are support them. You support them? Hundred percent. Look, there's no reason why someone should go to Congress for forty. 50 years. That, that's fair. I mean, you look at the average age of the of the leadership in either party, in either House of Congress. What it creates is an environment that, that supports the system. You know, yeah. the whole, the swamp. Well, the swamp is real. And, and I noticed that firsthand. Uh, me and a couple staff members went, we advocate for projects like I-49 Connector. And I go I go to Washington regular, uh, regularly enough to, to notice that, uh, look, Congress is run by a bunch of 20-something-year-olds. And they, we call those staff members. Mm-hmm. They answer to a 30-something-year-old. Usually that's a chief of staff. And they know yeah, their congressman will be there for two years, six years, eight years, 12 years. But they just got to survive the, the, the tenure to get to their retirement and, and yeah. serve the system. Their loyalty is to the system. Now, you, as a congressman, stick it out 20, 30 years, then you start becoming leadership. Mm-hmm. So now we have about eight people, and it's bipartisan, four on each side, roughly four to eight on each side, that's dictating the rules for all, all of Congress. Yeah. Now, that's my humble observation. <laughs> now, term limits, however, would do away with all that. It would change mentality. You'd have a more of a public servant uh, mindset and attitude. And I understand, you know, the we can term limit anybody at the ballot box, but the t- times have changed. When our founders uh, created our Constitution, I doubt very serious that they envisioned a 30-year tenure there. Right. Our Later, you know, a couple centuries later, a century and a half later, we said, okay, you know what? Maybe we should term limit the executive branch. Mm-hmm. And they did that for a reason. You know, judges uh, get their life tenured, but most of them retire. And, right. and, and, and it's a little different setup. But when we're talking about legislative functions, hey, term limits, I support 100. And we could compromise. You can go, you know, maybe two terms in the Senate and six terms in the House. That's 12 and 12. You can make a good, good career out of that and, and affect the outcome. Um, but I'll tell you this, though. There's two we, switching gears to balancing the federal budget, which I <laughs> wholeheartedly support. And we just introduced our local budget. It's balanced and it's strong. But um, I believe term limits would help balance the budget. Yeah. I believe giving the president line item veto back that was taken away from the by the mm-hmm. courts. But if you know maybe it's, you know, it's a different makeup, maybe a different argument would get would get it back to him. Because I believe if you when you sit in the executive branch, and I do at the local level, much smaller scale. But I represent everyone, mm-hmm. and I have a fiduciary duty to all 250,000 residents that I'm blessed to, to represent, and i got to balance that budget. So when you start getting this added pork, you know, yeah. and, we, and we have some of it at the local level, it's so much easier for me to trim with that line item veto. You know, now, if you, you, we can always, I always said, we can always debate what we spend the money on, but some things we should always agree on. We shouldn't spend more money than we have. Right. 
my so my thought on term limits has always been, yeah, I'm I'm tired of the the 70s, the 80s, you know, lingering in Congress. But then I started thinking, what about the people who didn't linger all that long? Yeah. But the staffers stay and the staffers become part of it. I think the best way to introduce term limits is to start term limiting staffers. Ooh. Like you can't stay in Washington, D.C. that long. You become the system and whoever rolls in and you just get hired for their office, you're bringing all that institutional stuff with you. Term limit the staffers and even the people who are there for years have to meet new people and get new ideas into their office. Hey, that's it. I've never heard of it. I've never um, analyzed that, but that's an interesting notion. Yes, you term limit the staffers, you'll definitely have a change. Oh, yeah. there's Because those staffers, they're, they're like any institution in yeah. Washington, D.C. A lot of those staffers have been there for a long, long time. Right. So I would, I would love to see that. And I, I say that knowing that there are staffers in Washington, D.C. who will read some of the stuff that I've written at Red State and elsewhere and, and, and know that they would get nervous if I was actually to push that really loudly. But I just always thought... Like that would be the more interesting so, idea. Could you get Congress would people in Congress would want to protect their own jobs? Sure, but would they be willing to throw their staffers under the bus on that one? So basically, you and I have, now have an X on us. So if we ever <laughs> uh, run for Congress, you know there'll be some powerful people looking at us. Maybe well, the aliens. You're you're in <laughs> you're in politics, and I'm a political commentator. There's always going to be a target <laughs> on our backs. You're right about that. So uh, all right, the aliens. You brought it up. There was this he- there was this hearing yesterday. I didn't get to it on my show yesterday because there was a ton of other stuff to talk about. But this has been uh, this has gotten so much attention. And a lot of people are saying this is all a distraction from the Hunter Biden stuff. But I think it could be in reverse that Hunter Biden is the distraction from the fact that this guy said that the government has recovered non-human biologics from UFO crash sites. In fact, let me here. Let me get this clip going so that you can hear. something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Now, this is very careful wording. That's uh-huh. very political wording. He's got non-human biologics. Wow. But everybody is like saying, did he just and, admit? And he didn't the, test any bags of white substances. Right. No, right. no, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> Dif- oh, different topic. Dif- I got it. Maybe the same topic. Uh, but non-human biologics, yeah. UFO crash sites. He, he went on in his testimony to talk about how he was part of a team that was working with other teams that had gone to these recovery sites to, to find these unidentified uh Aerial phenomena is now the UAP is now the term instead of UFO. Mm. Uh, so, of course, now we're all talking about aliens again. Yeah. And uh, do you think there's life out there? Well, let me let me start with this. I believe in one God. I believe that God is the creator of the universe. Now, what you call what do we call universe? I believe it's everything. Right. And when you go outside and you look at the sky, at night, and you look at a you know not not a cloudy night, and you see all these stars. You see, and now we have new technology, new science come out that shows planets rotating stars out there. Some of conditions could be uh, very Earth-like to have you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, an environment where an atmosphere that would support intelligent life. I just find it hard to believe that we would be the only intelligent creatures that God. Uh, who is whose whose might is something we can never comprehend as as humans. 
you know, how many people we have on Earth? Eight billion, yeah. roughly. If you took every, if you took all eight billion, and, and this is my opinion, and you took all of our understanding of a higher power, all mm-hmm. of all our understanding of God, and you put it all together, I don't think we would come close to understanding God. God is God, mm-hmm. but He is the Creator. So I, I have a hard time believing that we're the only in form of intelligent life out there, but that doesn't bother me. Yeah. Does it bother you? Does it scare no, you? No. It used to so, scare me. Yeah. It's so I, I don't like thinking that, like, literally that broad. Like, I, I like to focus on narrow things. And, and so something as broad as the entire universe, and you get to the idea of a multiverse theory and stuff like that, too, which is just way, way too often all that. But I, I've never... I've never rejected the idea of it, but I think that all this 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 whole freak out that's going on right now, especially with the I mean, we've had over the last couple of years, the release of this video showing these yeah. these things we can't explain. No ship that that's man made that we know of can move in the way that they have. Yeah, it's weird now, but that, but that we know of. You know, and, and that's okay, too. You know, sometimes for our own national security, I mean, we don't need to know everything because if we know it, then the enemy knows it. So I understand all that. So that was a, a point that a friend of mine made is that he's not convinced it's not a psyop of some sort because there have been these there, there's been this talk of like they've run war games of the U.S. versus China. And in like 180 out of 220 war games, China wins. And so... The theory is that we're saying we've recovered this alien tech, this alien uh, technology. We have this unknown upper hand that your your spies don't know about and you haven't been able to get intelligence on to maybe hold off geopolitical threats ac- across the world. Yeah, no, they look, that's a theory. I don't know. You know, from a military standpoint, we could probably talk hours. I think from a um, just more in globo broad uh, discussion, you know, are aliens out there? Are they friendly? Are they are they not friendly? Um, I would like to believe that if they're there, so they either exist or they don't exist. So if they don't exist, well, it's a moot point. If they mm-hmm. do exist, well, they're either friendly or they're not. If they exist and they're close to us, well, if they're close to us right now, obviously they're friendly, right? At least for right now. And if they're not friendly and they're that close to us, we, we really won't matter here in a few in a yeah. moment of time, right? <laughs> um, so that goes back to my faith in God. So. Another friend said, the thing that we know for certain is that no alien's been recovered in a deep south state because somebody would have tried to fry it by now. <laughs> How does or, the alien or, taste? Or if it's alive, maybe invite them in for a gumbo. You never maybe know. maybe that's how I, I think that Cajun cooking would probably heal any division between the human race and whatever race comes to visit. Absolutely. All right, let's take this break. Anything that we say on this kind of sounds conspiratorial and crazy no matter what. So we're going to take a break. We'll reset. We'll get to some more serious topics after this. Joe Cunningham in with Mayor President Josh Guillory here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. That bumper is Ordinary Average Guy by Joe Walsh. A couple of just ordinary average guys in the studio. Me, Mayor President Josh Guillory. Uh, you can, if you want to send a message in, use the KPL app to, to send a message in, uh, and I'll get your messages to the mayor president. Uh, we're going to hold off on phone calls for right now, but I, I wanted to, you know, talking about policy, but, but getting away from the local stuff. Cause you come in every Thursday, you talk about the local stuff, you talk about the roads, the projects, everything. 
you focus a lot on the logo. I mean, that's your job. You have yeah, to no, pay that's attention. What, that's my job, yeah. How often do you get a chance to look at these bigger, like, state or national issues? State, a, a little more understanding, but, but like the national, the, the stuff in Washington, D.C. You know, I still feel it's very important for me to, to at least be aware of what's going on in Washington. A lot of that stuff will impact us. And we do a fair share of our own lobbying, you know, uh, in, mm-hmm. in ter- not, not officially lobbying, just for all those keeping score out there. But uh, we go and advocate on behalf of Lafayette. I mentioned the I-49 connector. That's a, a pretty big project that, yeah. that we've gone up to Washington several times to advocate for. And we've had some movement with that, not just meeting with our delegation, but other other House members and Senate members. Um, and it's productive. Stormwater management, look, we relied heavily uh, you know, to on our, our advocacy at the state level for sure. And we've gotten a lot of funding from the state based on uh, our ability to bring science and bring it, bring it to the right uh, movers and shakers, decision right. makers over there. But just as a citizen, though, Joe, you know, I, I watch the news and everybody has their own approach. I, I want to actually like I miss the real news. I remember right. when I was growing up and I'm not that old, but I remember when I when I was growing up, you had the six o'clock news, you had the newspaper. It was objective. Uh, times have changed. You know, CNN came around the early 90s and, and kind of changed things with 24 hour, quote unquote, news. Well, there's there's only so many news topics you can yeah. cover. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that changed the dynamics. So. I like to get to the bottom bottom of it. So what I'll do is I'll watch Fox News for the national stuff. Then I'll watch CNN. And uh, as much as I can stomach on MSNBC, I'll watch that for a That's little a bit. solid 30 seconds for uh, me. You know, I've gotten up to 42. Really? Yeah, I've gotten up to 42. <laughs> Counted the other day. <laughs> but uh, somewhere the in show, there's the I truth. I, so actually, I could, I, could ha- I could stomach Rachel Maddow on the background. A lot of people can't. Chris Hayes is the one that irritates because he's, he's very smug about his. About the way uh, he does it, I, I'm I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that style. Any left or right, anybody who's who's talking to me in a very smug way, I don't like. Yeah, just give us your thoughts. Right. You know, give us your thoughts. It's okay to be opinionated here and there. You know, when you're when you're reporting the news, as long as you disclose it and you're respectful about it, I think you'll you'll think you'll cover a lot of a lot more ground. And look, I'm I'm a conservative Republican. I, don't, I make no qualms about that. Right. Uh, you know, but I get irritated when when folks on that have the same philosophy as me doesn't present their ideas in a respectful manner because I feel like you lose lose your ability to to for the for the I think majority of folks that are open-minded when you approach them in a respectful manner, you lose them whenever mm-hmm. you just start name calling or Basically, you, you, you know, if you have the mindset of you're dumb if you don't agree with me, well, you know, how far are you going to go? I, I don't like that, and I don't like the people who just recite. Like yeah. if they recite something somebody else has said. There was a guy I worked with uh, a, a long time ago in a, in a previous radio station. Uh, I knew what he was going to say on his afternoon show because Rush Limbaugh had said it already. Like it was just – and that yeah. – God bless the guy. He was deeply passionately conservative. He just could not – he could not say it in his own words. Yeah. And so people who are like that, people who, uh, people who just, they, they like to pull from what other people say and not really express their own thoughts. That, that really bothers me a whole lot. Yeah. It, and you have that on both sides, you know, back, back to your question of how often do I follow uh, federal stuff or anything that's relevant? You know, we have had pieces of legislation on the federal level that impact locally a yeah. lot that we do follow. Uh, state, we're, we're engaged with the state a lot more than the federal government, right? especially during session, as you can imagine. A lot of those bills will, will impact us directly mm-hmm. and very quickly. But um, if you take the federal side, you had ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act, yeah. uh, you know, that, that, that came uh, right when President Biden was, was uh, sworn in. Uh, from a fiscal standpoint, I had some issues with it, but from a local right. standpoint, being a mayor president, especially in uh, uncertain times at the, at, the, at the time it was passed, 
you know, we welcomed the federal funding. Our job was to make sure we spent it on, spend it, excuse me, spent mm -hmm. it, I made up a word, spent it on one-time capital investments, and we did drainage roads, things like that, public safety. Uh, but if you fast forward a year, year and a half, you had this notorious infrastructure bill, you know, the IIJA, now it's called the Bill Bill, can't make that up. We've received zero dollars. ARPA, look, ARPA was was actually facilitated very well. It, it was money was appropriated directly to the municipal level, the city and, and county parish level. It got some appropriations directly to the state. Had some other initiatives, but the money was was actually sent, received, spent, and it helped people. The infrastructure bill, we've received zero dollars. So I noticed zero. I noticed yesterday because I, I, I think yes, yesterday I wrote, uh, no, the day before. I wrote the story that's up on our website about the the bridge project in Lake Charles. And when you look at the breakdown of money, I see ARPA in there. I don't see the infrastructure bill in there. It, it, the infrastructure bill got silly. You know, they started talking about soft infrastructure, traditional infrastructure. Yeah. Guys, infrastructure is infrastructure. Right. Tangible things that help people. <laughs> Public, yeah. Publicly owned tangible items that help people. Roads, bridges. You know, things like that, buildings that, that, that facilitate first responders. I mean, I can go on and on. I know your audience probably has a very good understanding of what infrastructure is. But when you let politics get in the way of, of good policy, yeah. you know, it's going to mess things up. But, you know, it was passed. It was appropriated. I'm, I am just saying, you know, with full transparency, we've received zero. ARPA, right. we, we received $86 million. Forty-seven million the parish. The balance, I think, thirty-nine was to the city, and mm -hmm. and it was appropriated real quick. We jumped on it. Thank God we did, because we were able to get the contractors uh, in the field. Because there's only so many contractors that do those types of work, uh, that type of work to get them out there. But yeah, infrastructure bills, all this touting around ac across our country and across uh, our state. We had state. we had some elected folks who were very much touting That's right. uh, all the good that the infrastructure bill was going to do, and, and we haven't seen it locally. That's, I think what that's we can do is this. I'm going to get the CFO on behalf okay. of the folks, okay, to send a self-addressed envelope, okay? Or may I just do instructions? Here's yeah. how you send it to Lafayette Consolidated Government for the people of Lafayette. Maybe that'll, you know, maybe, maybe. maybe just need to be just reminded. incentivize them. Remind them, incentivize them yeah. a little bit. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, we're we'll getting close. on Facebook. There you yes. go. That's incentive. Yes, we're getting close to the break here, so we're we're going to go ahead and step out for the break. Uh, when we come back, have some more, kind of go over the news of the day, get your take on the news of the day, and some, uh, some more great stuff happening here on News Talk 96.5. Y'all stick around. Neil Malonson here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Lower trading across the board for the markets at the close on Thursday. November beans down 22 cents at 13.98 a bushel. January beans down 20 and three quarter cents at 14.04 and a quarter. The corn market closed lower. September corn down seven cents at 5.33 and a quarter. December corn off six cents to 5.42 and a quarter a bushel. March corn off a nickel and a quarter at 5.53 and three quarters. The wheat market closed lower. September wheat down seven and a quarter cents at 7.12 and three quarters. Lower trading for the rough rice market. September Rice down a nickel and a half at 15.79 a hundred weight. November rice down three and a half since Thursday to 15.97. The cotton market joining the grains lower. October cotton off 336 points to 86.62 a pound. December cotton off 355 points at 84.38 per pound. The sugar market closing steady though on Thursday. September sugar unchanged from the open, trading at 38.29 per pound. 
Farm Bureau's Harvest for All program recently received the Power of Association Summit Award from the American Society of Association Executives. Matt Feynman, AFBF Young Farmers and Ranchers Chair, says the program helps address hunger in rural America. So the Harvest for All program, members involved in the Young Farmer and Ranchers program take the lead in planning, coordinating, and executing the initiative, often with involvement from local community leaders and supporters. It's all about addressing hunger in rural America. In 2022, Harvest for All participants donated 25.3 million pounds of food and a million dollars to local food banks, including in Louisiana. Feynman says the award recognizes the economic and societal contributions of the program. We're really excited about receiving the Power of Association Summit Award from the American Society of Association Executives for our successful Harvest for All initiative. AFBF is one of six recipients and the only association recognized with a focus on agriculture. I'm Neil Melanson on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542 is the number. We've got Mayor President Josh Guillory in with us today just kind of talking about all the stuff that he really doesn't get a chance to talk about because he's always so focused on our damn roads. That's right. That's right. And fo- focus we are. But I will tell you what, the, I am, uh, as a hobby, uh, Joe, I don't know if you know this, but I critique bumper music. Oh, really? Yeah. And look, man, you're scoring high. Yes. For what it's worth. I, that I mean, is... a little diverse, you know, uh, you got to go in real hard with the intro. And then the last two two breaks, I have to tell you, mellowed us out. And, you know, we're here to talk about aliens and so, all the fun stuff. Fun fact, the <laughs> intro bumper, the, the intro bumper of the show has Louisiana ties. Okay. The band is Muse. All right. The lead singer and lead guitarist, Matt Bellamy. Okay. It's a British band. His wife, born in Texas, raised here in Louisiana. I, like I went to already. college with her briefly in Natchitoches. But, How was she in college? Uh, she, uh, she, was, she was nice. She tried out. I was in the journalism program. She tried out for the TV station on campus, uh, but did not stay at Northwestern State very long. But... It, it's like we we were friends, and she actually dated a friend of mine at the time, and now she's married to one of my favorite uh, rock artists. So, yeah. so Pretty some neat. some Louisiana ties on that one, but also I just love the band Muse. Like I I, I love the music, um, but most of the music is there's no theme to it other than I like the song. Yeah, and I'm 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 constantly like when I'm listening to music, I listen to music all the time. I'm constantly like this part right here would make a good bumper. And so I have like a I have a huge folder of bumper music, some of which has not seen the the light of day, but someday it might. I love music. I'm a amateur guitar player. I sing every once in a while, but I'm I'm a son of a musician, and uh, yeah. a lot of folks don't even know that. You know, yeah, that's what he did for a living. His stage name was Clint West, swamp pop artist. He died in 2016. His real name's Clint Guillory. Mm-hmm. But yeah, look, he took me to a whole bunch of places growing up that I probably shouldn't have gone to, but uh, but I got experienced a lot of blue eyed soul singers and and the great artistry that we have in south louisiana but i was the baby i was definitely a surprise yeah and um and so you know i got the better better years better part of his life and uh he was a lot more mellow when i came around but he he had traveled all over the countries in louisiana hall of fame uh, four different times and he's uh he was he was a cool dude all right so i'm going to i'm going to ask you to straddle a line here all right you are an elected politician you have run campaigns. In fact, you are running one now, but I'm not asking you about any of that. Looking nationally, but or let's the state and nationally, we've got two major campaigns underway. We've got a governor's race this year. 
We've got a re- we've got a Republican presidential primary that's underway, and we're going to have a, an election in 2024. I'm not asking you to name names or favorites or anything like that. Just based on what you've seen in your own experience in running campaign and running yeah. your campaigns. What do you think is and isn't working campaign wise right now? <sighs> well, on the national level, saying the same talking points, I don't think is some one of them. Are, they're going to have to to compete with President Trump. You're going to have to start separating. So mm-hmm. that's that's my observation there. Uh, my observation. All right. Now, this is my conspiracy theory. here. So it's, that's, <laughs> that's when we get in trouble. So you said I'm running a campaign. All my staff is now getting upset with me. Yeah, but that's OK. You know, it keeps them on their toes. Um, you know, someone has a, some people have a theory that the Democrats are rooting Trump on. And as you, you know, you probably don't need me to say that. But uh, even all this coordinated attacks with the and, and, it, and it does look like it's kind of coordinated. Some yeah. of these accusations, you know, that the prosecutions, mm-hmm. the timing of it, you know, not granting continuances, making sure they're in the in the in the timeline of the campaign. Right. But some some theory on the le- some some people theorize on the left that. They feel like they can beat Trump, so mm-hmm. they're they're doing everything they can to give him that national exposure mm-hmm. and and put him as the nominee. Uh, so I do, but look, hey, I can tell you this: I served uh, with President Trump uh, for a year. I've served with President Biden. Mm-hmm. They are drastically different. I will vote for uh, President Trump over President Biden at any any election you put in mm-hmm. front of me. I do that with with a hundred percent confidence and and no remorse about it because of the policies. You take the look. I would communicate my ideas probably different than him, and I think most people, a yeah. lot of people would, but I can look past that for the policy yeah. from a policy standpoint. Now, on the state side, uh, you know, I'm no political scientist, uh, but from observ- from you know, third party observing everything, it looks like our attorney general will probably be in a runoff with our DOT, former DOTD secretary. I have mm-hmm. no no data to support that; just kind of a gut feeling, and I think uh, the AG wins in the in the runoff. I mean, that's what all the that's what all the data looks like right now, and yeah. and. You know, events can change things. I don't see, I don't foresee what event could change things in this one because there's, you know, we know the types of scandals that can that can tank a a campaign that's running away like that, and you yeah. just don't see that happening uh, with with Jeff Landry. And you know, and I, I say this: look, there are good quality candidates that that I'm not saying I'm not touching on right now. But look, look from Senator Hewitt to Wags and all these guys, any of their policies from a pro business, pro life, pro Second Amendment, defending our liberties. Uh, conservative uh, standpoints would be better than the current policies that we have right. now. Right. I mean, you've, you've, as, as mayor president, obviously you have had to work with the governor's office mm-hmm. and we, you know, I've had my criticisms of the governor and his office sure. uh, on the show. Uh, I'm sure that there have been some less than satisfactory results in y'all's, uh, in y'all's engagements back and forth. I'm trying to be as, as diplomatic as possible on that, but uh, what, what would you look for most in a working relationship with the next administration, be it Democrat or Republican? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, Governor Evers and I do disagree on, on several things, but I don't find him to be a bad man. Mm-hmm. I find him to be a good man. I've, I've, I've met with him several times. We've had some uh, uh, disagreements, especially during COVID, uh, and we, we maybe exchanged a few heated uh, words back and forth, but uh, we always both try to be respectful about it. But you can disagree without being disagreeable. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the I-49 connector, for example, I feel like his administration has at least opened the door to dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a, as a again, as a mayor president, again, an un- unapologetically a conservative Republican that I am, I still represent people that have different views than I do. And it is my duty that I take very serious to go advocate on their behalf as well. And when you talk about infrastructure projects like I-49 connector, you talk about drainage initiatives, 
that that's not red or blue. Yeah. And, and from a local standpoint, and I'll tell you, not to get too philosophical, but I believe the uh, when you talk about what is a conservative, right? Ultimately, if you empower the local governments across our country, that is an extremely conservative view. Mm-hmm. It will have such a domino effect that all those other conservative principles that we hold near and dear will fall into place. Your budget will start to be balanced because there'll be less waste, fraud, and abuse. There's more accountability at the local level. Uh, your your rights uh, that we hold so so dear, pro life, pro Second Amendment. Those communities across the country that agree with you will start to grow in, in number. The communities that disagree with you will mm-hmm. start to grow in number. But that's okay. It's more it's more efficacious to have those debates at the local level than it is to have those broad discussions on social issues at the federal level. And if you empower local levels, you you avoid that. So that's pretty deep. Yeah. Yeah. And so I can go there with you. Go. I can well, go deep. I can go shallow. Where you want to go with this? <laughs> what I appreciate though is that <laughs> What I appreciate, though, is like I can see, you know, I can see any news release from a, a mayor in some city that comments on some national thing or other, some issue mm-hmm. or whatever. Don't see that from you. You're not weighing in on like the national immigration debate right now. And you're and, and, I'm, and I'm saying that not just like people in border states that are commenting sure. one way or the other, but like across the country, there's mayors, there, there's folks who are not really tied to the, the border debate at all. But that's just one issue where. You know, you'll see a lot of people just weigh in, and they don't really have that much of a connection to it. I feel like it's appropriate to do that from a mayor standpoint, if if it's if it's genuine and mm-hmm. it has relevance to your community. Uh, the border, look, I don't I don't I don't hide from my beliefs, my personal beliefs. We need to secure the border, and right. not just the southern border, northern border too. We're a sovereign government, and and you know we're a sovereign country. We need to protect our border. That actually is an issue that mm-hmm. impacts Lafayette, Louisiana, because of I ten. Yeah, I ten's a corridor goes coast to coast. So, but. I, everybody has their own flavor. I try very hard. And I learned in the first year of my office that my words have weight and I have to be responsible with them. I can't just say what's on my mind willy-nilly. <laughs> I, I did that plenty of times and I've paid the price for it. Uh, so what I try to do, if I'm going to opine on a national issue, I do try to take a little pause, a little deference. I do pray and I do mm-hmm. try to listen. Um, and I make sure that I try to communicate my ideas in a respectful manner, even on national issues. All right, let's go ahead and take this last break. When we come back, we'll wrap it up, our discussion with Mayor President Josh Guillory. Uh, I don't want to say avoiding the local, but we are definitely having some broader topics uh, and discussions, which I think are, are really fun. We'll have that, uh, that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to take part in the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. Mayor President Josh Guillory joining us today. We've run the gamut on a lot of things. Yeah. Aliens. I mean, you name it. This is a free-for-all. Yes. So uh, let's see. What are some other topics for the day? Um, okay, so I, I have to... I have to... Let me see if I can pull this poll up. Okay, so there is this 6,000-person survey from the the Survey Center on American Life. Um, and it talks about double haters. Double haters. People who hate Trump but huh. also hate Biden. Oh, okay. And the Democrats are... are the Democrats are losing a lot of support into this group. They, this is a group of people. Uh, they're noncommittal about 
choosing between Trump or Biden. If we get yeah. to a Trump-Biden election in 2024, they're very non-committed. Yeah, maybe to the point of staying home. And and when you get yeah. to the political science, which again, I am not a political scientist. I just uh, very limited limited experience here, even though I'm elected official. Uh, but yeah, that I don't know how much strategy because you always want to base your strategy on objectivity when you right. can. But when you have a situation where you have the you call double haters, I believe there's a strong possibility they just stay home, you know, cross their arms and say, look, well, either way, we got if that's the ballot, either way, you only have four years because they. By yeah. Constitution, you can only do do one more term. I, I don't think we're going to have a repeat of 2020 when the losing person still has more votes than most other presidential campaigns in history. Right. I think that we're looking at a lower end at that point if it becomes a runoff bet, uh, between those two, a general election between those two. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's no, it's interesting. I don't know where that would go. And and um, you know, do you have a third party candidate that jumps in oh, that man. that actually takes some electoral votes and then it goes to the to Congress? Oh man, that, that would be interesting. That I think that would be chaotic. You know, how do we make it where Louisiana is the deciding vote? Then we could start really well, negotiating here. You know, can, can we get a governor who's going to figure <laughs> out ways to stop the out migration problem? Because we're never going to have influence if we keep uh, bleeding citizens and congressional seats. A hundred, a hundred percent. Look, that's a topic we can talk about for hours. And I, I'll tell you, one way to do it is change our legal climate in regards to oil and gas. You know, lower severance tax and, and literally change our legal climate. And you can do that by legislation. But we only have eight minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, we do Let's have see a where caller. I stand on that. Yeah, we do have a caller on the line. We're gonna we're gonna go in blind on this one. So, caller, do be nice here. Who's on the line? <laughs> is this me? It is you. Hello. Okay. Okay. Hey, uh, Mayor President. Hey. I just want. Okay. I live in Jennings. I know you live in Lafayette, but you've heard about the I ten bridge in Lake Charles that they want to do a toll on. Just because I know a lot of people from Lake Charles do. Hey, thank you so much. And please tell everybody in Jennings I said hey in that exit where they have the little baby alligators you can hold. I always try to stop there when I can. I, I love Jennings, so thank you for calling in. You know, my two cents, and again, this is literally, preface this, this is my humble two cents opinion. Look, if it was a priority, it'd be done. And that yeah. bridge needs to be replaced. And and I understand, you know, when my personal view, when you go with tolls, when you go to raise taxes, even for, for one-time capital, which, look, sometimes it's needed. I get it. And if you do it with a vote of the people, fine. But those should be last resort measures. And the bottom line is that I-10 bridge in, in Lake Charles should be replaced. The I-10 bridge in, in, in uh, Baton Rouge yeah. needs to be addressed. We have some infrastructure needs northern Louisiana on I-49, north of I-20. Southeast Louisiana around the Orleans area has some issues. And we have a huge project, the largest unfunded infrastructure project in North America, which is in Lafayette, Louisiana, which is the I-49 connector. Yes. All of these are priorities. And if it would be a priority, or all of these are needs. And if we had our spending in uh, our fiscal house in order in Baton Rouge and we reprioritize and we partner with local governments, we would not be in the situation we're in and we could pay for these things without doing tolls. Now, fast forward a little bit to the actual issue, the question that the gentleman asked. I would say I would want the, the folks to vote on that. And I think yeah. that would I think that's the proposal right now. I don't think it's needed. I think we could prioritize in Baton Rouge. I think we, with a conservative governor, you would have that that issue resolved. That that's my humble opinion. I, I know that we've had a lot of people work on that, but guys, if you go look, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but if you go look underneath that bridge, you come back and tell me whether you think it needs to be replaced. I or don't. Not. I don't look down that bridge don't, at all. I don't. Don't count the pistols. No, I, you know I, I said I mean? it the other day. This, yeah, 
I said it the other day. Driving that bridge feels like I'm I'm the yodeler in that Price is Right yo, uh, yodeler game. Like you're going just yeah. up at that angle, and then you have the drop. Right. And I don't like that. I'm not. I'm definitely not looking under the bridge, but I know it's bad. So look, all these gubernatorial candidates, we got some good ones. Make sure if you get an opportunity to visit with them, ask them about that. Say, hey, are we going to get our fiscal house in order? Are we going to focus on infrastructure? We've been advocating, but the bottom line is, if roads and education was a priority in this state, we'd have better roads and higher education. High results. Do you think the toll sunsets? It has to. Do I think it will? (laughs) Uh, That's the question. You know, it depends on who writes the ballot initiative. Uh, I know Mayor Hunter is a good guy over there, and I would imagine he would he would want to want to be very transparent. I I believe in sunset clause. I think you know. I think the exception by the state law. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is the general uh, alimony obligation that we have. But uh, look, I, I think if you have a proper plan, you'll know when the project's going to be completed. I think you communicate with the public on that and say this is when it's going to be done, kind of like with the airport situation here in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. You know, when the project, when you have enough funding for the project, you don't keep it in perpetuity. That's not that's not negotiating in good faith with the people. But again, I'm not convinced that it's needed. I'm con- I am convinced, though, if we look at what we're spending money on out of Baton Rouge, we could really make some adjustments, and and I'm telling you, it can be done, guys. When when I got in office, we had a 29 after the COVID forecast, we had a 20 28 million dollar forecasted uh, deficit in the city general fund. We had to cut 29 million dollars the first year. The earth still revolved on its axis. Mm-hmm. The sun still rose in the in the east and set in the west, and we paved roads and did drainage without raising taxes, without tolls. Would there, let's say, with the the I-49 connector, mm-hmm. if the if DOTD came up to you and said, we can do this, but we need a toll. Yeah, again, I've, I've analyzed this so much. And our Lafayette delegation has done a good job over the last couple of years of securing funding. So it's not needed as of right now for that particular project. Mm-hmm. Uh, if DOTD came, I would. I, I feel like I have a fiduciary duty and a personal duty myself to stay true to who I am and who I communicated I am to the public, which is, hey, that's that may be a fine and appropriate, but you're going to have to convince me that it's the last resort, that we've exhausted all remedies, and I don't believe we have. I believe we need to continue with The problem with I-49 Connector is the bureaucracy, specifically yeah. on the federal side. We were told Q, Q3 2021 that, oh, all the studies would be done and the sensitivities and the context studies would be cleared and we'd have an answer. We just need to work on funding. Well, we worked on funding, secured funding. Now we need the bureaucracy to, to be lifted. Yeah. I've... Full candor, it was a different president at the time. Well, yeah. But yeah, the whole uh, the whole getting the bureaucracy fast moving does not seem like it's going to happen anytime. Soon. I like your idea. Term limit the staff. Yes, let's do it. Gotcha. I'm I'm all for it. Mayor President Josh Gilley, thank you very much for joining us. Always thank you a pleasure. Guys. God bless you. Have a good weekend. All right, we'll see him again in a month. You guys, I'll be back tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, email Joe at redstate.com. The podcast version of this show will be up shortly over on Substack, Joe Cunningham Show.substack.com. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5. KPL, you guys have a great day. Talk to you again soon.